Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And a special thanks to those of you who actually listened to the announcements. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting some of you this past week at the Software MTT Academy, which was super fun, uh, super educational. I think everyone who was there just really had an excellent time, and it was an excellent way to head into the World Series. And yes, the World Series is really in the air, or at least it's in my air. Uh, I actually left Las Vegas for a few days, and I'm heading back this weekend to play the Colossus. I know a lot of you are going to be there. Uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, you can contact me through the Just Hands Twitter, or my email address is jack at justhandspoker.com. It would be fantastic to meet up, and also I think there will be a more formal Just Hands meetup probably later in this series, some, sometime like sometime around the Monster Stack when Zach and I are both in town. With the World Series in uh, full force, please send us some of your hands, like interesting spots. Let's, I think a lot of us are in tournament mode, and we would love to get some more tournament hands to feature on the show. Uh, I'm going to post a link to the hand submission form on our website. So if you play any hands that you're unsure of, uh, yeah, send them our way, and we will feature some of them on the podcast the next few weeks. But yeah, uh, excited to see some of you out there. Hope to hear about your successes, deep runs, big caches, uh, and hopefully I'll see you guys at the eventual Just Hands meetup uh, and elsewhere in Vegas. All right, guys. Good luck. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, Nick. Hey, Jack. <laughs> so you've probably deduced, you the listener, that we're without Zach Resnick today, and that is by design. Zach and I are both traveling, and it has been an absolute nightmare trying to schedule podcast recording times so i'm here recording one maybe two episodes with nick and we will release those perhaps today perhaps another time <laughs> it'll depend <laughs> on when zach and i can get together but i'm sure sometime throughout the series you guys will be hearing this audio i'm joined today nick have you been on the pod before i think so i think i was in one of the first episodes back before i really knew anything about poker that sounds right to me yeah well, welcome back. Nick Thank is you. a very good friend of Zach and myself, and Nick is a fresh poker professional, someone who has taken the leap from hobbyist to professional, and you know we're here helping him along the way. And yeah, Nick, so I know you're driving to Las Vegas, actually to stay at a place with Zach and I during the series, and you stopped and played a session in Kansas City, and you have some hands yeah. that you wanted to discuss. Yeah, so I am currently sitting in our, what is to be our lovely Airbnb over here. And on my way out here, I, so I kind of at the last minute decided to do the drive as just a one-time sitting thing, one sitting thing. And uh, I also just decided to take a pit stop in Kansas City. I wanted to like look at a casino because i'm a degenerate and <laughs> i went into the hollywood casino and racetrack in kansas city which i had of course never been to before and i ended up just getting super deep in a session and just staying for like way longer than i expected and not getting on the road till the next morning and not sleeping so you know i'm all fired up and ready to go now <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I'm going to refrain from comment on any of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I'm glad you're in Vegas safely and 
a little bit richer than you were when you left. Yes, that is true. All right, so shall I shall I go on with it? Yeah, let's go on with it. All right. So this hand, well, basically all they offer at this casino seems to be 1-3. They had a 2-5 list, but when I got there, it had like, you know, four names or something, and it quickly dissipated. So basically all 1-3, basically all the time from what I deduced. And so this game I was playing in is not like any of the games that I'm used to playing in at all. It was much, much softer in ways that like I usually don't see in in normal casino games. So just a lot of the players at the table were just like I mean the fact that more than one player at the table was really like dumping stacks multiple times is pretty indicative of the game. Anyway, so this happened at probably about I want to say 3:30 or 4 in the morning were five-handed at this point like everyone is fairly deep like the shortest person has a hundred big blinds but like besides me the second deepest player has like 400 big blinds and most of the sack sizes are above 200 big blinds and it's a hundred big blind cap so that that kind of says something so at this point, the raise sizes had inflated huge. And I'd say that's basically 100% or the preflop raise sizings. I'd say that's pretty much 100% my fault, but I'm happy to take credit for that. No, that's good. Uh, yeah, I just realized, you know, upon observing the game when I first got there, it's just like people were raising to 15 over limpers. And it was just, you know, limp, 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 call, 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 call. And or raise, call, 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 call. And you know, it's just like that's basically never going to be an advantageous way to play poker. And I'd just like rather put in like kind of a ridiculous sizing and just isolate some of the more spewy players who are like kind of price inelastic. And so I started I started the trend of opening to 25. And I actually started adding five for every limper ahead of me. So as you can imagine, I was quite frequently raising between like 35 and 45. Other people kind of caught on and were raising to like 25 or 30-ish. The villain in this hand is like a mid-30s skinny dude. He's like kind of quiet, has a beard, a baseball cap, headphones, is wearing a like windbreaker for some reason. I mean, like, I guess it's cold in the casino, but like it was like 100 degrees outside. <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know why that's important but Hold on. how old was this guy did you say it, like mid 30s okay i like maybe early 30s i don't know it's kind of hard to tell when people have like scruffy beards anyway so i had kind of been eyeing this dude actually throughout the night not because i was super attracted to him but because i was attracted to his stack size and he was at another table for most of the night and had somewhere in the neighborhood of like 2,500 in his stack, which he seemed to maintain throughout the course of me being there. So first of all, I wanted to play with him because it's a one, three game. Like I can't imagine that he's that good, even if he's like the best player in the room. And also 
you know, I just want to get more money into the game. And if he's going to be able to do that, you know, I'd love to have him at the table. So later they end up consolidating tables and he's still there. But when he shows up to the table, he's somehow like lost a thousand dollars or so. And he said it was just some cooler situation. And basically after talking to him about all this stuff, I kind of came to the conclusion that he might just be kind of a huge, like weak passive nit. So I will, I will say though, that like you're most likely to encounter people who are very good relative to the stake they're playing. If it's the biggest game in the room. So, right. You know, since it's all one, three, if there's anyone who's like a very good player, but who's just happening to be playing at this casino tonight, they're going to be playing one, three. Um, right. So it's, it's worth considering that. Yeah. And I definitely, I definitely did, but I was, I was just kind of suspicious of the fact that I guess I was kind of suspicious of the fact that his stack size like really didn't change in like the first like four or five hours that I saw him there. And then suddenly he had a thousand dollars less. It just, that just seemed indicative to me of like playing like one big hand every once in a while. And it just like, he got in too many big blinds with Kings or something. Perhaps. I can't really say that, but later I kind of could, uh, after seeing him play a bit more, right. He was like limping a good deal of hands. Like, I saw him show down 7-3 offsuit at one point. And then when he raised, it was like very clearly like a very narrow range because he, I mean, not very clearly, but like he barely ever did it. And he became pretty aggressive when he did. Right. Okay. So hard to, hard to say someone who shows up with 7-3 offsuit is like a huge nit, but. No, true, but. You know, there can be players who have, like, a super nitty raising range, but will just, like, limp with almost any two cards. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, really quickly, I'll just talk about, like, what I probably look like at the table. I've been, like, super aggro, basically, because I've just gotten a bunch of really good hands. And I'm also super aggro in general. (laughs) Um, But... I think uh, people have definitely taken note, like, there were a couple people who were at the table. One of them was, like, really nice guy, but, like, a huge fish that spewed a lot of big blinds throughout the course of the night. And they, like, were commenting on, like, how good my play was and how I was unstoppable. And, like, part of that was probably just wasn't really them analyzing my play, but was more the fact that, like, I was just running good and had a stack of, like, 2,800 or something. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I look like here. Kind of a little bit nutty and aggressive, but have always just kind of shown down the goods. Right. Okay. So kind of a good kind of a good place to be. Yeah, you're you're in like you're in god mode. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to use that word, but yeah. <laughs> in this hand, we're five-handed cuz it's like the middle of the night and a couple people are like one got up and like are wandering around the casino somewhere it folds around to this villain who opens the button to 25 the small blind folds and we're in the big blind with six seven of spades uh villain is has 1300 in front of him by the way and we cover so what are you doing here i think i would three bet when we're in the big blind are especially like in a big blind versus button situation Oftentimes, some of our 
normal light three bet candidates will be too strong to three bet uh, as a bluff. You know, like wheel aces, some of our connectors. But when the sizing mm-hmm. is this large, I would prefer to just three bet, uh, three bet fold. And I think this this player sounds like he's going to play better with initiative. And he has like a range that's strong enough that we're not going to do awesome just flatting this really large raise. Uh, I do think though that he's not nutted enough just you know by virtue of being on the button. I think it's we're going to get plenty of folds pre-flop, plenty of folds on the flop, and if we have enough equity, we can go for a multi-street bluff or you know maybe even just being something. So yeah, I would three bet. I would I would be playing like a similar range here to what I would play facing early position open or like a middle position open from a similar player type in a game where mm-hmm. sizings are more normal. Okay. Well, I, so in game, I like really strongly considered three betting and I just basically decided that like, we're never really, I don't think we're ever really getting folds when I three bet here. I just like think his range is his raising range is that narrow. And I think that like, although flatting is like not like the most attractive option, I think that my skill edge post flop is enough against this player that like I could be fine to flat here and just be ready to take the pot away later. Yeah, I think a lot of this decision just depends on what you think of his opening range my hunch is that in an unopened pot on the button players are generally going to be much wider with their opening range but if you really think that this player is very tight then i think there's a nice case for flatting part of why flatting isn't great with his hand if he's got like a somewhat wider range is that you're more often dominated but if he's playing a very tight range then you're not you know in as much concern of like being dominated to the six or the seven or uh, quite as many. Well, you'll still be dominated sometimes like when you make a straight, cause he's very likely to have hands like eight, nine, nine, 10, Jack 10. Right. But especially like uh, being dominated to the seven to the six, like if he's opening hands like 10, six suited, 10, seven suited, then I think we have a, a big interest in three betting. To like right. 100. I, and I, I definitely don't think he's opening those hands. Okay. I think flatting is fine. I think it's close. Okay, I, cool. I also think folding is reasonable. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge, yeah, it's I, a huge open, but like, yeah. we're deep enough. I just think... You said what? We're like 1,200 deep? 1,300 deep? 1,300, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there was, if you were 1,300 deep and you opened a 25 and a 2-5 game, I would not say fold. If you were 1,300 <laughs> deep in a 5-10 game and you opened the 25, I would... For sure, not. I would say, like, if you folded, you'd be, like, out of your mind. And so, like, <laughs> if this game is just, like, using these sizings, like, obviously your price isn't as good, which matters, but uh, what right. really matters is just that, like, you're going to be able to navigate this probably post-flop. I don't think this player is likely to use the their positional edge very well. And so, I, yeah, I think flatting is totally cool. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I go ahead and flat. I, I guess... I, just to touch on that again really quick, I guess I like I don't actually have as much empirical evidence as I would like to say that his raising range, like on the button specifically, is very narrow. 
because I actually haven't seen him show down very many hands that he's raised preflop. However, given that he seems to be a reg in the room and like people kind of were playing against him a certain way where when he raised, they would like often find folds against him on even boards that might be favorable for them. That like kind of gave me reason to believe that he might be tighter. But again, like I think I may, I I may have been reading into it too much, but in that, at that time, that was my read. And that's how that's how I proceeded. Yeah. I think you might be slightly underestimating like just population being wider there. And also, you know, the fact that he's, pretty severely upstuck right. might contribute to him opening a wider range. But I think both players right. are still fine in either, either situation. Okay, cool. So we flat, we go to the flop, heads up, uh, 50 in the pot, and the flop is three of spades, eight of clubs, nine of clubs. So we flop the old open-ender backdoor flesh draw. Mm-hmm. What are you doing in this spot? Is this a mandatory check to you? Do you ever lead on this board? I think you could lead, but I think your opponent has a lot of... First of all, like, have you observed anything about your opponent's seabed frequency? I don't have a big enough sample size to say. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like he's... Like, every time he's raised, I've seen him seabed, but I've only seen him raise preflop a few times. Right. I don't think you should have a huge range advantage on this board in theory. I think you're at a disadvantage. I don't think it's a huge disadvantage. And so I wouldn't be like leading a lot in theory and practice. I also probably wouldn't lead very much. I'd prefer to just check raise more here. Yep. And your hand's going to turn pretty well. So I would have to either go for a check haul or check raise. I think check raising is probably best because I think there's a lot of hands that check back the turn uh, and I, I would prefer check raise to check hall lead. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you say that because that, that was my feeling as well. And a lot of times recently I've been trying to only really check raise combo draws and like not really open enders as much. I used to like, really be very, very aggressive with raises, like most of my big draws. And now I've kind of calmed down a bit. But in this instance, I was thinking about like what I look like to the table and like pre-flop, I'm, I'm definitely seen as like wild, but post-flop I've just always shown up with it. So that combined with the fact that so far, I have never done any kind of raising post-flop in this game as a bluff. I felt like on this board, I can have like a pretty profitable check raise here and like get him to fold like a lot of cards that we just don't really want to like call and let them see a free card or let them see a card on the turn with their over cards and make a decent hand and continue to barrel. I would be happy to just fold out hands like ace king and ace queen yeah and i I think the fact that you're likely to fold those hands out is why this is a good line really you probably shouldn't fold those hands out or at least they shouldn't bet fold 
and it's a very it's it's clearly a dry heavy board, but it's a board where you can represent like enough. And I also think like the fact that I would also suggest check raising hands like Ace Nine, King Nine, some Queen Nine. <laughs> that furthers your case for raising. The fact that you got, you have two wide ranges here, um, so <laughs> it's not like he should be that overpaired dense. And yeah, the, mostly the fact that like I think your opponent's just going to bet fold a lot of unpaired hands that you have an interest in getting to fold is the main reason for check raising. Your opponent's right. probably not going to three bet enough, and. You can fold to some three bets. You can probably call a lot of other three bets. And then the work of getting the paired hands to turn or to fold, it's going to come down a lot to like what kind of turn cards you get. Right. Anyway, we'll get to that when it comes. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so you kind of touched on a bunch of things that actually do happen. So I, I check he bets out for 30 and a pot of 50. I, choose to raise to 90 here. I pick that sizing because like, I don't think we need to go. I don't think we really need to go bigger than this. Like, I think we can still leverage stacks if we make our hand. I don't, I don't think I need to like make it like 120 or 150 or something to get all the money in. Well, I wouldn't be thinking about that quite yet. Yeah. Like your goal with this raise is really to like get over cards to fold. Right. And I'd be worried about getting Ace King, Ace Queen to fold for 90. I'd be more confident they were going to fold for like 120. Okay. So I would consider making it a little bit bigger for that reason. It also does, I mean, clearly it helps you shovel more money in the pot in the event that you make a huge hand. Right. But yeah, it'd be really nice to be able to barrel like a red Ace and... I would be uncomfortable bearing an ace if you just made it ninety. Okay. Like I don't think we're gonna be. We're Wait, not gonna you, be able to... in my in my position or in your in... position. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not gonna really be able to barrel a ten. Or, well, you yeah. Obviously, you can bet a ten. Yeah. Although you need to be careful about queen jack because I think queen jack is somewhat likely to bet call, but. Uh, really? I mean, maybe maybe Queen Jack at clubs, but I don't think I don't know that he's really gonna. I think call with a, a raise with a gut shot, but he has such a good price. Like I think you're just underestimating people's ability to recognize when they're getting laid good odds to try and hit their hand. Two overs and a gut shot, folding, getting uh, you know, so bets thirty into fifty, and you raised to ninety. So he's getting sixty to a pot of like two thirty, two forty. So he's getting like three to one. Yeah. I would be surprised. I would be really surprised if he folded. I just thought I. But that's I okay. We don't need people, him. To... People don't really think too much about like. People don't think too much about sizing, and I felt like I could pretty comfortably make it, you know, smaller and achieve the same thing. Like at one three, I just like. I don't. I don't really know if I agree that people are like really thinking about the price they're getting. I think they more just like see a raise and they're like, is this a raise, uh, like a raise calling hand. And then if they determine that it is, then they think about the price. I guess I think the one, the area where people do think about the price more is when they have a draw. Mm -hmm. I think almost everyone in the game knows like how many ads do I have on the turn or on the flop, multiply that by four, you know, yada, 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 that kind of, that kind of stuff. 
So I yeah, think people are pretty aware of that. And so like when they have a draw, they're going to be more price sensitive. Main, but the main reason I think you should make it bigger is just to make sure that like ace king and ace queen fold. Because really, yeah, okay. we just want to be able to barrel an ace or a king. If we can't barrel those hands, I think, or those turn cards, I think we've done something wrong. You mean we can't barrel them because we didn't fold out those hands in his range? Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I like going larger then. Well, anyway, I go to 90, and he ends up, like, tanking for about, like, 10 to 15 seconds. Like, not a long time, but kind of what seems like a bit in-game. And then he ends up 3-betting as a min-raise, almost min-raise, to 190. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what you think about this, but... In my eyes, I just don't really see a 1-3 player ever 3-betting a street post-flop with a bluff. I just, like, don't think they do that. Yeah, I don't... I've I've never seen it. I definitely agree with you that I don't think this is a low-equity bluff. I could see this being anything from, like, ace-9 to an overpair... Maybe a set, but I think I think a set would be a little bit bolder with the sizing. But I think also like Ace X of clubs, jacked some Jack Ten with like a club combo draws. Like I think there are, I do think there are hands that are. I guess technically people think of them as a bluff, but they're not really a bluff. Yeah, I don't think he has any hands that like you're doing particularly well against. So I would just call. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would never raise here. Yeah. So I do end up calling. I'm obviously getting, like, a great price. Yeah, and this is what I'm saying. But, that, like, preflop, your opponent not using their positional edge. If, I just don't... Yeah. Like, your opponent can really put the pressure on you with a lot of your range by raising a little larger here. But with this size, it's just, like... It's just not accomplishing anything. So... Yeah. Well, so... That's something I, I wanted to talk about. Like, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, like... I, so I made some, like, big assumptions about his range because of the fact that he 3-bet to th- this sizing specifically on the flop. I felt that this sizing, like, weights him way higher to hands, like, queens through aces that... He feels like, first of all, he loves, he likes the hand. He feels like it's still good here a lot of the time. And also, he doesn't really know what to do if he loses initiative with those hands. I think he's just, like, used to, like, raising and then just betting those hands. And in this spot, it's just like, oh, what? We got raised here? And he just feels, like, a little bit defensive. So it kind of seems almost like a... like a terrible like protection three bet that's like not really accomplishing anything, but that's kind of the mentality that I assumed he was taking. And because of that, I weighted him towards those hand and, and just like way discounted like nines or eights. Like a set of nines or a set of eights. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would also discount a set of nines or a set of eights. I think those hands like are less worried. I mean, like they're the nuts. So 
their only their main reason for raising is just like purely value and protection and like they're right. accomplishing both better by raising larger. Right. I agree with you that raising like a hand like an overpair is well this sizing just doesn't really make sense. And so no. we kind of when something doesn't make sense at all like this, I think it's important to be open to more possibilities. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't zero I don't think this raise makes much more sense with like queens than it does with ace nine than it does with king ten of clubs. Like he just decided yeah. that like he wanted to raise you a hundred dollars and he did. <laughs> so yeah, I think you know, your your equity is gonna be like it's just gonna kinda of tell you how to play in the future. Like, you're not yeah. ahead. Obviously. No, so, currently not. But you, you clearly have enough outs to continue. You also have a backdoor flush draw, which is useful. Yeah. And I think you're, you are going to have some bluffing opportunities on the turn. Even though this is a strong range, I think it's non-nutted enough that like, if you check bombed it on like certain turn cards, like the uh, if you check bombed like a six, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think a seven's a little dangerous. Yeah, like check yeah, bombing a six. There's just not that many spades that like are so good for your range relative to his range that I want to check bomb. But like a lot of spades you're gonna be able to call with just like a monster draw. Yeah. So I mean like then, the four four spades would be pretty sweet, but like it doesn't really improve our equity any more than any other spade. It also doesn't give you any like hands that your opponent fears. It's not like right. your opponent just like thinks you have nine four or something <laughs> or three right. four. So I hope he doesn't. Yeah, the nice thing about the six is like now your opponent has to fear five seven, ten seven, eight six, nine six, and so you've picked up equity against his over pairs, and your opponent has like a lot more to fear. Right. And I think you can probably get them to fold a lot of their draws and perhaps some of their over pairs too, and you're ahead of the draws. So that's nice. Right. Well, Jack, it's as if somehow you were the one who played this hand because <laughs> we go to the turn. Uh, there's like 430 in the middle and it's the six of hearts. Man, I'm just getting, I'm getting good at this, man. Like doing all these <laughs> podcast episodes, I just know what people, like what hands people bring in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Check bomb. Let's do it. So I check and. Villain tanks for, like, now tanks for, like, a really long time. Like, almost a minute, which I think is a really long time in poker. Especially when there's no action to you. Mm -hmm. And he then bets 300. Against this sizing, would you still advocate for, like, ripping it? Yes. Okay. Basically, like, so we discounted the the nuts from his range mm-hmm. you know like sets those are unlikely and i think draws were still fairly likely so i think those basically all fold and we don't we're happy to have them call but we're, we're basically indifferent we're i mean i don't think we're actually different like if we did the math i'm sure we would be i think we would prefer a call for this sizing but like we're happy to just like push them off equity rather than call and play out of position against those draws on the river. And yeah, I just think you can get a lot of folds on this turn card. And like worst case scenario, you get called by like 
aces and you got 13 hats. 27%. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's fine. So yeah, yeah. I would just ship it, man. Let's ship okay. it. Okay. Okay. Well, I didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I basically just, I was kind of like just thinking about like what his range really looked like. And I, and I still kind of had to like adhere to what I thought was most a range of like mostly over pairs here. I honestly just thought that this guy just likes this hand too much. And there's just like, I, I just like don't think like if he has aces or kings, I just like don't think he's ever folding. That was my thought in game. And so that made me just kind of think, okay, I can't really raise this card. I can't really raise any card here. But the great thing about this card is based on our assumptions on the flop, we pick up like a lot of equity. And we pick up enough equity to like be happy with the fact that like if my assumption that he really does love his hand is correct as well. Then when we get there on the river, if we get there, like with another six, a seven, a 10 or a five, we're just like getting all the money, like at least 50% of the time. Okay. So this, that what you just said, I, I disagree with. And this is part of why I like check jam here is I don't think you get paid that often by aces through queens when your hand improves. Obviously, a six, like, yes, you're, you're going to get yep. the money. Yeah. But a seven, a seven has some reverse implied odd situations for you. Like, maybe your opponent has, even if your opponent has an overpair, like normally, tens is a possibility. And I still think you should consider the fact that your opponent could have a draw, even if it's unlikely. So, yeah, if you're just always, like, stacking off any time. You hit two pair here. I think you lose to some like flushes and straights. Yeah. And yeah, but most importantly, I think when there's a four liner on the board, I just don't think your opponent puts in like $800 in a 1 3 game that often with an overpair if you lead and he's going to check back. Yeah, yeah I think you're, I, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think you're, I, you're, you have a better like, shot I, I just, of like leading a few hundred dollars and getting like psy called. Right. So, I, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I think that, check, like, from everything you just said, I think that check jamming the turn is, like, way, way better. I'm just trying to explain, like, why I did what I did. Right. So, no, I, I don't. Too crazy. <laughs> I think calling is definitely better than folding. Yeah. It's not like, like you don't have direct odds against aces, but I think you have enough implied odds that it's I, for sure I worth do. a call. Yeah, I do. I did the math on that. I right. do. But I <laughs> I don't think that you have the you know, implied odds that you just implied that you had. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I might not. And I may I may have been overestimating, you know, how much a player like this is gonna be in love with aces or kings. I guess like in in some ways, I remember, like, when I first started playing, like, aces and kings just seemed, like, too good to ever fold. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just, like, I really just thought this guy was super fishy. And I just thought there's, like, some chance of getting all the money, even if we hit our hand. Like, a fairly high chance 
for whatever reason, I felt that way. And I proceeded through a call. I think a raise is much better on the turn, but alas. I think it's important to like have a read and go with it here. And your read was that he almost always had no repair and he would almost never fold it. And if those things are true, then like a raise is a disaster. I just yeah. like disagree with the assumptions, but I like that you had the plan and you made the best decision given like all the assumptions that you made. So I, yeah. you know, I like the play. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I definitely need to get better at making assumptions. That's like going to, that's what we all do. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I do end up just calling, we go to the river and there's like a thousand in the pot and it's the 10 of hearts. So we make our straight. Are you leading this spot? Yes. Okay. I would normally take, like, a leading line on this river, but I just didn't, and I really don't know why, to be <laughs> honest with you. Like, I think leading is just, like, far superior here. Yeah. But I, it just, like, in the moment, it just struck me that, like, if I led here, like, maybe if I led here for, like, 200 or something, like, I'm getting called. But I think if I lead for any bigger sizing, we're just like getting a fold from almost every hand in his range. Welcome to my thinking on the turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it sucks. So, so because I still think you should just lead the 200. Yeah. I think it's probably best. And just be like, fuck you. Like I have more sevens. <laughs> what are you going to fucking do about it? And he'll probably just be like, okay, I call. <laughs> yeah, because it's 200. And, like, he's already made a bet of 300. So, like, 200 is, like, nothing now. It's small potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, I know it's, like, never a bluff for me. Like, I actually think it's, like, kind of a sick spot to bluff for 200. Yeah. Because I yeah, think it, it works. Like, I don't think this guy, you know, I think you should make the bet because I think he calls, like, 70% of the time, but. He also folds 30% of the time, so if I didn't have anything, I'd want to make the same bet. Right. Uh, you know, he's just always checking back with that range. So, yeah. I think there is a case to check all here, which you're kind of alluding to. Yeah. But that thinking all... I mean, that thinking leads to the check raise on the turn two, the idea that, like, this guy could just have, like, missed clubs, and maybe your best bet is just to bluff catch. Yeah. The thing is, this is just such a good card for your range, like that I just don't think he's going to follow through with it. I know. He's just like not going to bet this card very often. Yeah. So it's your card. You sh you have to bet it. I think you have to bet it small because it's just like too good for you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really, I mean, in, in retrospect upon like after playing the hand, I immediately thought like I should have like led this river just based on like a things you should generally do when you get to a spot like this. Mm -hmm. however in this exact scenario i ended up checking and he like made one of the saddest side all-ins i've ever heard oh yeah full <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he just like he just like looked at the dealer and like looked down at his chips 
and just like looked so defeated and was like <laughs> all in. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you don't have to do this. <laughs> like, it's okay to just, I gave you the option to just check here. Yeah. So, so of course, we end up scooping the pot, and it was, it was great to get an extra, like, 750 oh, bucks. Oh, what? You, he was bluffing? Yeah, he didn't, he, he didn't have shit. Wow. I mean, I, I don't, I like, thought, I I don't actually know, because he didn't, he didn't show his cards. Man, I really would have thought about folding here. That's just, like, a very classic, really? like, strength tell. I guess, oh, dude, I would, I would never fold. I guess if it was, yeah, I don't think this. I think this was not. This was not a Hollywood. Like, no, I think it might have been a Hollywood. I definitely think it might have been a Hollywood. You think that he was trying to Hollywood with like aces? I think he might have been trying to reverse Hollywood. You. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. No, I don't think he had. I don't think he had aces. <laughs> <laughs> I think he must have had just like a misdraw, and. <clears throat> Decided how, to like, how often does that work for him at one three though? I don't know, man. That's just weird. Like it makes me want to fold. Jeez, you can't. You just can't. You can like. I definitely you thought can. about it because it because of the way it looked, like you're saying. But like, I just, I just like don't think. I don't think he has any straights here. Why not? Why can't he just have like queen jack? I just like. I don't think he three bets queen jack on the flop. Queen jack of clubs. That's the that's one combo. Yeah, no, I think calling is fine, but we, I think we have we have to. You can't like he d- never has jack seven. No, I'm not saying he has jack seven. Right, I know. No, but... I think I think uh, I think you should call. Yeah, I just like it. Just <laughs> my first instinct was like, oh, I like, fold. I have a bluff. I have a fucking bluff catcher right now. But yeah, no, he <laughs> could just have a seven. Yeah, you have to call. Yeah. Okay, good. Nice. Well, we did it then. Wow. What a sick bluff. <laughs> Freaking reverse Hollywood with you. I'm really, I'm really like, I, I actually like really want to go back and find that guy and, and ask if that's what he was doing. It just seems more likely. Who's that face up to just like pout like, oh, I have to bluff off my stack. Oh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> And just like bluff off their stack. I don't know. I mean, I guess this guy. Wow, man. Yeah. Oh. So I guess that's why you anyway, don't hear a fold. I, what? I guess that's why you don't hear a fold. Yeah. All right. Hero folding's no fun anyway. No, it's not fun. <laughs> um, okay. Cool. So I guess I was just like super duper right no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh no i i think you should have checked in the turn yeah it's definitely better yeah <laughs> although if this guy's just gonna like do this every time you make your hand like <laughs> then there's definitely more of a case for calling as i think we could have foreseen this no no there's no way <laughs> especially the little like downturned head thing i guess it could have just been like a defeated like I just want to like. I had twenty five dollars, hundred dollars. Now I have thirteen hundred. Now I have eight hundred. Let's go home. I'm just gonna fucking get yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I I also think like I honestly do think that. I it's kind of weird. Like, I thought in some ways, like if if he was not 
Hollywooding or reverse Hollywooding, then I think there's like a decent chance that this does really point to a hand like Queens through Aces, like more specifically Aces, where he's just like, he's like, I'm never like not going to put all the money in because I have Aces. No, but dude, like, I just don't No, <laughs> Get out of here. No, you don't think on. people do that? No. I think people <laughs> I think they do. You know, this is just aces. He's just like, I, like this is the worst kind of deck, and I can just check back. But no, I'm just gonna, I mean, like, if, <laughs> but it, you have if it is, I think it's more consciously a bluff. Like, I, or, like I'm going to try and get this guy to fold pair, two pairs or something like that. Right. Well, I don't it think could it's also just be like, like... <laughs> I, have aces, so I just, have <laughs> to, I just have to show. I would have never, I would have never rolled really hard here. <laughs> I would have been like, holy shit, what's happening? <laughs> God, I really I really wish I so the one thing I'm upset about is that like he was very he was like coy about showing his cards. And like when people do that, I usually just turn my hand over because I just like don't want to waste people's time. But you had to but, know. What? But you didn't <laughs> No, I did. I turned my hand over, oh, okay. and, then, and then he mucked, and now I just don't know. Yeah, well. And, like, he was, like, he had his cards in the air, so I thought he was just automatically going to show them, and it's just, like, it was, like, a small error, information error on my part. Yeah. And I honestly think that would be, like, moderately valuable information, just for, like, the 1-3 field in general. Mm, yeah. I think what I think the takeaway for me is that what was really important here is the fact that this guy was stuck. Like, I think there's a chance that, like, he just had a legitimate bluffing candidate, tried to get you to fold something pretty good, and thought that, like, using this, like, reverse Hollywood thing would work out. But I think what's more likely is that he was just, like, stuck and was resigned to just lose all of his money. And yep. that's a that is a tendency worth, like keeping in the back of your mind yeah that's a that's a good point when people are up stuck for sure yeah all right man cool. fun hand very fun hand yeah thanks for coming on of course all right guys we'll see you next week